Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. Well, the Summit 2.0, or Session 2, has come to a close, supposedly prematurely. I think we should all breathe a sigh of relief. (laughs) But even though there are those who feel differently, for sure, such as the president of South Korea, who has been engaging in this pipe dream that this fanciful flight from reality, that there can be this peace and tranquility equanimity between South Korea and North Korea, because after all, they have so much in common. Well, more on that in a minute or two, or 10 or 20. But while this latest foray into this supposedly earth-shaking, world-arresting summit between the former, and some would say current, sole world superpower United States of America and North Korea, satellite slave state of communist China and former Soviet Union. Um, While that has, dare I say, fizzled, contrary to the hype and theatrics and the build-up and all of that. What I will refer to, and I know I'll be terribly uh, (laughs) criticized uh, by any, if any, hear this, but I'll just call it the Trump investigation, (laughs) all right? May I please, as far as the hearings before Congress, before the House of Representatives, Michael Cohen testified. Now, he's being lambasted as being this terrible, habitual liar, and so on and so forth. Perhaps he is. Uh, He certainly would be a reasonable selection as (laughs) a personal lawyer and the other capacities that he held for Donald Trump, if that were the case. That would actually be a qualification rather than a disqualification, but in my view. But uh, he made various remarks, and Nancy Pelosi was questioned (laughs) briefly, hurriedly, uh, with regard to possibly proceeding with some sort of impeachment process, And she said something to the effect, and I am paraphrasing badly here, but that she was more interested in the actions of the president rather than his personality. Words to that effect. Okay, that was the the gist of it. But what she termed as being personality was actually character. 
there's a world of difference between personality and character. Do they dovetail? Do they overlap? Oftentimes, absolutely, very often, somebody with wonderful character will also have wonderful personality. But the two don't necessarily always go hand in hand. But I think what she was referring to as far as comments, even though she claimed she had not listened to any of it, had not read any of it, so on and so forth, uh, I believe it was this, and it was Michael Cohen said the following, quote, he has both good and bad, as do we all, but the bad far outweighs the good. And since taking office, he has become the worst version of himself. He is capable of behaving kindly, but he is not kind. He is capable of committing acts of generosity, but he is not generous. He is capable of being loyal, but he is fundamentally disloyal. End quote. Now, this is from his opening statements. And even though Michael Cohen is, you could say, discredited and is being attacked vociferously, heatedly, by people who are defending Donald Trump, which is very ironic because Michael Cohen previously was in that position of defending Donald Trump. Not always in the public eye. More often than not, privately, behind the scenes. He was the fixer-in-chief for the president. But, again, those statements, he is not kind. He is not generous. He is fundamentally disloyal. Even though he was capable, is capable of behaving kindly, committing acts of generosity, being loyal. And what I believe Michael was getting at there is that he was capable of doing those things contrary to his true nature when it served his purposes, his selfish, self-serving purposes. And this isn't something new and out of the blue. This is his track record. (laughs) All of these things, you go down through his entire opening statement and you will find support for the statements that he makes, not only in terms of pieces of evidence, but in terms of his actual history that's out there for others to be aware of due to his having been in the public eye to the extent that he has. He refers to him as a con man. I've referred to him time and again as wheeler and dealer. He's a wheeler and dealer in chief, okay? But accept that or not. But to go on just a little bit further here, 
He said, Donald Trump, quote, Donald Trump is a man who ran for office to make his brand great, not to make our country great. He had no desire or intention to lead this nation, only to market himself and to build his wealth and power. Mr. Trump would often say this campaign was going to be the greatest infomercial in political history. End quote. Then, quote, he never expected to win the primary. He never expected to win the general election. The campaign for him was always a marketing opportunity. End quote. <laughs> so, I. Maybe that just rings false for you. Maybe you cannot believe that. You think that is just vindictive. <laughs> yeah. uh, just he's spinning this. Cohen is just spinning this. It's just he's got all this pent up anger and hatred and what have you. Maybe. Maybe you think that. But anyway, uh, he said also this, quote, I knew early on in my work for Mr. Trump that he would direct me to lie to further his business interests. I am ashamed to say that when it was for a real estate mogul in the private sector, I considered it trivial. As the president, I consider it significant and dangerous. But in the mix, lying for Mr. Trump was normalized, and no one around him questioned it. In fairness, no one around him today questions it either, end quote. Well, enough from his opening statement, <laughs> okay? Uh, you can accept it as truth. You can reject it as a pack of lies, or you can take it with a heavy, heavy dose of salt and think that maybe, just maybe, there might be a few grains of truth there. Rudy Giuliani, who has succeeded Michael Cohen as personal lawyer for the president and chief attack dog, is out there insisting now that Michael Cohen has further perjured himself here, committed perjury at least three or four times, uh, here in his remarks to Congress and so on and so forth. Personally, I just don't have confidence in Rudy Giuliani. I have confidence in his intelligence, in his talents, in his abilities, but not where the rubber meets the road, not in his character. And I have reasons for <laughs> for my... Uh, beliefs regarding that uh, really along the same lines as my beliefs about the character of such other prominent, wealthy, famous individuals as Michael Bloomberg and Bill O'Reilly and the late Roger Ailes and Charlie Rose and various other people who, other men who have, <laughs> have some characteristics in common. But again, what he stated, it 
happens to gel. It happens to agree with so much of what we all (laughs) have the opportunity to have seen of Donald Trump in previous decades of public life, of very public life. And (laughs) it certainly agrees with that massive investigation by the New York Times and so on and so forth. So if you recall, and I know you recall, everyone recalls that campaign slogan for the president, make America great again. It wasn't an original, okay? (laughs) This was not something that had not been used before. It's been used before over and over again. But it was pulled off the shelf. The dust was blown off of it, and it was used again. And I will refer back to that uh, here in, uh, in some minutes. But make America great again. You know, currently, at this point in time, as well as over the past few years, famous, extremely prosperous, wealthy, dominant broadcasters, talk radio broadcast hosts, have been solidly, squarely in the Trump corner, campaigning for him in every way, shape, and form on the air, making him out to be the second coming of Ronald Reagan, making him out to be great, And putting the weight of their reputations behind him. (laughs) And it has not just been the one with the golden mic and the one who made his way to the top by being a substitute for him and many others. And uh, some of them supposedly Christian, perhaps Christian, what have you, but who come down squarely on the side of Donald Trump. Before he became president, while he was running for president, and since he became president, and they will continue to when he is further into his re-election campaign. But, as I've said before, (laughs) time and again, that When it came down to the choice being between Donald Trump and Hillary Rodham Clinton, there was no choice. For all intents and purposes, there was no choice. You either would hold your nose and vote for a corrupt, immoral, serial adulterer, materialist to the nth degree 
self-promoter to the max, dishonest, who (laughs) didn't stand for what was right or what was true or what was good, but instead could adopt this view and that one and the other, whatever came his way. Or you could assist someone whose history bore evil fruit from evil actions for decade upon decade upon evil decade upon evil decade. Not mere sinful or corrupt actions, but evil actions, intentions, conspiracies, and what have you. Those were the choices. Corrupt or evil. Some would say the lesser of two evils. Well, until he's proven to be evil, it's not the lesser of two evils. And the lesser of two evils, if they truly are both evils, are, of course, evil either way. The result will be evil. But for me, the choice was between corrupt and deplorable and shameful and disgraceful or evil, wicked, destroyer. So... It wasn't a difficult choice. Unfortunately, it came down to that choice. It came down to that. But I understand, I understood and I understand Christians voting for him. And even to to a limited extent supporting him. But this matter of this undue enthusiasm and extreme backing and support for him, for someone who was and is ungodly, unrighteous, I... just am appalled, was appalled, and continue to be appalled about that. And when we sell ourselves down the river to be a party to the corruption and the whatever wickedness of this one and that one, that sullies us, (laughs) that That defiles us. But, again, many, many in talk radio broadcasting continue to sell their souls, in my view, uh, to support him to the nth degree. And, hey, they're thriving, right? They're not like me. They are thriving. You know, it's working for them. And uh, and multitudes will continue to listen to them. And as far as I'm concerned, it is a, a disgraceful form of pandering, but in demagoguery, uh, in line with with the one that they are promoting. But... Our commander-in-chief, 
he, at this summit, upon meeting Kim Jong-un, Kim Jong-un, just like at the previous summit, the president of the United States of America, again, sole world superpower, if you care to view it that way, which is, I think, certainly a distorted way, but or former one-time sole world superpower, which, you know, it may have been for a blink, but it, he promotes this vicious, ruthless murderer, this destroyer, this satanic destroyer, this outrageous enemy of God, enemy of Christ, he promotes him, he elevates him, he legitimizes him, he gives him respectability. And here, (laughs) and speaks of him being his friend, and here at this brief summit, did you see how they met? Did you see how he embraced him, touched him, uh, put his arm around him, put his hand on him, did this, that, and the other? He, all indications were that this was as if it were his own son, as if he viewed Kim Young-un as his son. It was absolutely Appalling, repugnant, disgraceful, outrageous. And he ascribed righteousness to him, as if he has any to to impart, right? Well, this one expert on body language, he said, quote, they are both making an effort to show their relationship has improved since the last time they met, since the previous summit. Well, our president, he said, among other things, he said, importantly, I think the relationship is, you know, just very strong. And when you have a good relationship, a lot of good things happen. I know we're going to have a fantastic success with respect to Chairman Kim and North Korea. End quote. That was a yes quote from our president. And the president, and these were things he said this morning. He said, or this morning over there in Hanoi, uh, Hanoi Hilton, perhaps. <laughs> not really the Hilton. Not what was referred to as the Hanoi Hilton. Not where John McCain and others suffered. But our president, he said, you know, that the night before when they had dinner, a lot of great ideas were thrown about. Isn't that great? A lot of great ideas were thrown about, end quote. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then with regard to the the end of the summit here, he said, quote, Chairman Kim and myself, Chairman Mao, you know, 
my superior here, Chairman Kim and myself, we want to do the right deal. Speed is not important, end quote. Chairman Kim and myself, we want to do the right deal. End quote. I don't know when our president has ever wanted to do the right thing. Okay, When Donald Trump, the man, Donald Trump Sr., has ever wanted to do the right thing, maybe at some point in time in his life, maybe he wanted to do the right thing. But that's not who he is and how he operates and what he's about. And for him to say that Chairman Kim, for Kim Jong-un, for Kim Jong-un, that he wants to do the right deal, not just to con the USA, (laughs) right? Not just to pull the wool over the eyes of this great wheeler dealer here, art of the deal, Superman. But he wants to do the right deal. He wants to do the right thing. Our president stating that is obscene. And he said that the biggest area of progress since their summit in Singapore was their relationship. Donald Trump, the relationship expert. Donald Trump, immoral, profligate Donald Trump Sr., Serial adulterer, Donald Trump. Not to mention all of the babes, hot and cold running babes, but just referring to his wives, right? The women who have conceived and carried and borne his children. relationship. He's a relationship expert. You know, like Dr. Phil. Just that great relationship expert. They're having this great, cozy, wonderful relationship. Buddies, pals, you know. But meanwhile, of course, he despises his former executive, former Trump organization executive and personal lawyer. Michael Cohen despises him. He's a terrible liar. But Kim, well, Kim's obviously honest and honorable and right. And he loves him like a brother. It's outstanding. We fell in love, he said. Well, speaking of Kim Jong-un, he supposedly said these things. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, his, his interpreter said these things, but whatever. Anyway. That the whole world was watching them. And there would be people who would look at us like a scene in a fantasy movie, end quote. I just thought that was so perfect. Oh, such perfect wording. The people would look at them. At the President of the United States, Mr. Art of the Deal, Trump Sr., the Donald... 
and Kim the Third, if you will, Kim Jong Un, Kim Jong Un, meeting together and being so close, intimate friends and peers, and with so much in common. And with such respect for one another. And they would look at us like a scene in a fantasy movie. And that's what it is, a fantasy. Sci-fi, crazy fantasy. I thought, how perfect for that to be coming from him. (laughs) But anyway, Mike Pompeo. Yes, the big man, (laughs) the big man in some sense of the word here in the administration. He says that there may be additional meetings. It's possible. There are no plans, but, you know, they have advanced so far. They've made so much progress that uh, absolutely, there, there may well be additional meetings to look forward to. Yes. And in fact, maybe the timing will be better, too. After all, what's at stake here? Well, are we talking about world peace? No. Are we talking about peace for South Korea, independent Korea, free Korea? No. Now, what we're talking about is a Nobel Peace Prize, which is a totally different thing. A Nobel Peace Prize and maybe re-election for President Trump. Not for Kim. Kim is, you know, dictator for life and so forth. But uh, so maybe, maybe here late in 2019, maybe in 2020, I would say in 2020, the summit will take place and uh, we will make the necessary concessions because we are the ones that will have to make the concessions. You know, Kim can make whatever promises he wants, the same as Hitler did, right? It's the way it always goes. The, the evil ones, they make promises. You know, they sign some document, right? They sign their signature to a document. Whether it happens to be Yasser Arafat or other Islamists, what have you, or whether it happens to be communists or fascists, they will then... Give their promise. Sign a document. Sign a piece of paper. And meanwhile, you, (laughs) you have to relinquish territory and relinquish weapons and relinquish sovereignty and a few other things. But, But interesting, again, Donald Trump, who Everybody, I don't care, even Rush and Sean and company, they should all be willing to admit that Donald Trump is a man of the world if there ever was a man of the world. Okay, a worldly man. 
supposedly worldly wise, greatly worldly wise. Okay. He knows people. He can take the measure of someone so quickly. You know, he gets a sense of them within seconds as far as what they're really like. The same as George W. Bush had that same gift to be able to measure someone up in 30 seconds time as he did with Vladimir Putin. Putin, Putin, Putin. He took the measure of Putin, right? He looked into his soul and he was able to determine that Putin was somebody that he could work with and make great progress with, just as Donald Trump has here with Kim Jong-un. Amazing, the gift that Donald Trump and George W. Bush have. And again, these same hosts, uh, they were the same way about George W. Bush while I was, of course, uh, decrying and... Uh, everything with their invasion plans and schemes and what have you and how destructive that would be to the United States of America. But anyway, Donald Trump, he knows Kim Jong-un. He knows he can trust him. He can trust this man. Michael Cohen? No, Michael Cohen's just a liar, just a terrible, profligate liar, unlike Donald Trump. But but Kim Jong-un, Kim Jong-un, he could trust him. And so he lets us know that he doesn't believe that Kim Jong-un knew about Otto Warmbier. No, he didn't know about him being murdered before he was handed over back to the U.S. of A. so he could die in our hands? No, he didn't know about it. He tells me, quote, I don't believe he knew about it, end quote. Quote, he tells me that he didn't know about it, and I will take him at his word, end quote. Now, the question The burning question here is, do you take Donald Trump at his word? Do you think that he is being honest when he says that? That he actually takes Kim at his word? That he believes Kim? Because if he does, he is the most hopelessly, impossibly, grossly incompetent, excuse of a leader that there's ever been. Or you simply write it off as him being dishonest again. <laughs> right? So I I take it as being dishonest. Okay? I mean, I'm going to give Donald Trump the benefit of the doubt and say he's lying. <laughs> okay? Instead of him being impossibly Stupid and foolish and blind and ignorant and all that. This great man of the world. But he's one or the other. Uh, take your pick. I, you know, whichever one you prefer. Okay. But either way, it's disgraceful. <laughs> either way, it's terrible. So, uh, 
But this was actually, factually, though, this summit turned out extremely well. As I said, we should give a, you know, a sigh of relief about this, that uh, it did not go as hoped by various foolish people in leadership positions here, there, and everywhere. It did not go as hoped by the president of South Korea. No. President Moon Jae-in of South Korea, who has been this great cheerleader, promoter for this coming together, unification of South Korea and the North Korean communist regime bent on the absolute destruction and slaughter of South Korea. But no, no, we, oh my, we're going to have this wonderful hunky-dory, denuclearized, disarmed, unified Korea. It's, It's just So anyway, so he's disappointed. He was so very sure there was going to be this tremendous, tremendous sea change in circumstances there that taking place at this summit, that he was going to deliver a major speech on Friday, tomorrow. And that would be his way of doing the vision thing. You know, George Herbert Walker Bush's vision thing. Sharing his vision for economic cooperation between South and North, with South giving and giving and giving and North taking and taking and taking. But, oh dear, it didn't work out as he had hoped. No. And fortunately, Trump did not get conned out of quite as much as he did last time around, except his affirmation of Kim is even more extreme this time around. So while that may not be viewed as substantive, it is substantive. It's the reputation of the United States of America. And it's more than that. Because what this does, when you build up this monstrous, vicious, murderous tyrant, you build him up to be praiseworthy and honored, a great leader. He refers to him as a great leader who's going to do great things for North Korea and his people. Again, all he is in terms of greatness is a great destroyer. But when you build him up that way, you tear down the people that are enslaved by him. You know, Trump has gone beyond what Neville Chamberlain did (laughs) with Hitler. 
He's gone beyond it with Kim. That's right. He's elevated Kim more than dear old Neville Chamberlain, fool that he was, did with Hitler. Speaking of Hitler, Adolf Hitler persuaded many German people that he could make Germany strong again. A little bit like making America great again. First of all, and this is what I just don't understand how anybody could really get enthusiastically on board with Trump. How can you manage to persuade yourself that someone as deficient, morally deficient in character, as Donald Trump could make America great again. How do you do that? But, you know, it's, it's amazing. Uh, a lot of people have the capacity to delude themselves beyond imagination. Dear old Adolf. Dear, dear Adolf. He was not creative. He imitated greatly from others. I know that probably uh, is hard to believe, but it's true. He imitated greatly from Benito Mussolini, of all people. And he imitated greatly from he whom Benito Mussolini imitated. Just extraordinary. But, and others... This was true with uh, President Bill Clinton and, and of many others. No originality, no creativity, but they steal from others. <laughs> but something that Adolf Hitler broadcast back March 16th, 1935. Quote, the government renews its resolve before the German Volk and before the entire world that it will never stop beyond the bounds of preserving German honor and the freedom of the Reich and in particular shall never make of the German national arms an instrument of warlike aggression but an instrument confined exclusively to defense and thereby to the preservation of peace, end quote. Right. I'm not going to go back over that, but he sold himself to the German people as being a man of peace. Now, he was already. the dictator of Germany. He didn't need to sell them on anything as such. He had control. <laughs> and he initiated the draft at this time in outright defiance of the Versailles Treaty and increased the army from 100,000 men to a half million. 
But he persuaded those who would hear that he was rearming for the preservation of peace. Well, <laughs> Kim Jong-un, Kim Jong-un, he only wants peace, you know. I mean, the only reason they want nuclear arms is to protect themselves from being attacked by the United States of America and so forth. And here they were in Hanoi, Vietnam. Well, it reminds me of a former great statesman who's still alive, last I knew, Henry Kissinger, Dr. K, uh, supposedly he was the the one that was the doctor that was referred to as Dr. Strangelove, but Dr. Kissinger, National Security Advisor for Richard Milhouse Nixon, Secretary of State for Richard Milhouse Nixon, and the puppet master behind Richard Milhouse Nixon, who served the Rockefellers and who got Nixon to do everything that he wanted him to do, gave him carte blanche. And he was greatly enamored with real politic. Yes. And he was pioneer of this detente foreign policy with the Soviet Union. Yes, he was in charge of opening relations with Mao's bloody red communist Chinese regime and responsible for negotiating the Paris Peace Accords pertaining to the Vietnam War. Great accomplishments all. (laughs) Absolutely. He served the purposes of the evil in every case. Because he is that. His fruits are evil. Because his actions are evil. Because he is evil. And he's been terribly successful. In his efforts, terribly, terribly successful. And here, now we are initiating this this great, dare I call it, detente (laughs) with North Korea's vicious, ruthless, murderous communist regime, enslaving, destroying Christian annihilating regime and this opening of relations, full relations, most favored nation relations with dear best friend forever, Kim Jong-un and his regime. Yes. Outstanding. 
Speaking of the Vietnam War, if you look up the Vietnam War, you'll find that it supposedly was a civil war. It was nothing of the kind. It was communist attack and invasion of free, independent South Korea Christian, South Korea, if you will, by communist North Korea with the extremely able assistance of communist Red China and communist Soviet Union, the same as was true in Korea. Not a civil war, but attack and invasion of free, independent Christian South Korea by communist North and communist China and communist Soviet Union. But it was the forerunner. I mentioned before about Joe Biden. You know, Biden time. Isn't it Biden time by now? The man's 76. I think uh, he better make a run if if he's ever going to here for president. But uh, he has before, of course. Uh, But, I mean, I think this reasonably would be his last hurrah unless he is elected and then gets reelected. But he said, again, just to repeat, that the most important people in my life want me to run. So what? Why are you running for president if you're running for president? If you're going to seek the office, if you're going to campaign, and if you're going to do it (laughs) in truth and not just, you know, do it for some other reasons like marketing and whatever— What's the reason? Is it to make America great again? Make America strong again? Is it to save America? What is the purpose? Or is it so that you can be president (laughs) Uh, with the time that is left? Anyway, interestingly enough, north of us in Canada, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, Not to be confused with uh, Papa Pierre, but there are some that are calling upon him to resign. Why is that? Well, because of the deep corruption (laughs) that reaches all the way up to the prime minister in uh, his his administrations and his personal uh, efforts to try to... prevent an um, important, powerful, rich company from being banned from getting government contracts there for the next, whatever it is, I don't know, 10 years or something like that. But perhaps you saw that there was... A demonstration, thousands and thousands of people poured out into the streets in Moscow on February 24th. And this was to protest (laughs) against the assassination of a Russian leader and patriot who was assassinated back in 2015 on February 27th, 
namely Boris Nemtsov, who was assassinated outside of the Kremlin. But of course, Vladimir Putin and the Kremlin had nothing to do with it. And, you know, it's just, (laughs) of course, there were some, you know, convenient people to pin it on. But he was 55 years of age and he was hated by Vladimir Putin and he was eliminated The same kind of thing that Kim Jong-un has engaged in time and again, having people assassinated outside of North Korea. But great people, great leaders, the kind that our president can really get behind. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you. Mm-hmm.